I have the great privilege of introducing a very dear friend of mine. Um, I first met Toria when she uh, came forward and uh, talked about how she wanted to teach this class called uh, How to Be, nope, a Wife After God's Own Heart. I was thinking something else. Um, and uh, I remember thinking it was such a needed class, but I'm a single woman, so how does that apply to me? Um, but Toria would send me the notes for her class to be printed off every week. And I remember standing at the copier and I would just kind of lean against the copier and start perusing these notes and realizing, whoa, you know, this has a lot to do with me and my season in life. Um, to me, it was more, you know, how to be a godly woman overall versus just a wife. Um, it was pivotal. So I actually took her class last spring. I was probably the only single woman in the class, I think. Um, at the time. At the time, mm-hmm. yeah. And it was life-changing, absolutely life-changing. So I'm thrilled that she's here to speak to you tonight. Um, she's married to an awesome guy named Steve. Uh, they have four children. Their oldest is 16 and the youngest is nine. nine. And um, they're very involved here at Church of the Apostles. Uh, Toria has a background in counseling, um, an incredible teacher, and definitely a woman after God's own heart. So please welcome Toria. Um, well, I'm I'm so glad y'all are here because, um, you know, a lot of people don't want to come to church to talk about sex. <laughs> it's just one of those things that we feel like they don't go together. And um, so I'm glad that you're here because that is not true. And this is part of our problem is that um, the culture is speaking very loudly about sex. And the church in general is being very quiet. And... Um, and I'm mad about it, <laughs> honestly, because this is, this is God's territory and Satan is coming in and taking ground that does not belong to him. Um, and so I am on a mission to take it back for God's glory. Um, and uh, let me say, when I speak on this topic, um, I recognize that I have all sorts of women in this class. Um, I have married women. I have single women. Um, I've told this before to my, my class of wives that, um, when I was in graduate school, um, in my, I had to take a class on human sexuality. And, um, one of the things that we had to do in this class is we had to write a whole paper on, um, every sexual memory, experience, everything that we had ever had. And the point as a counselor is if you can't talk about it, you can't really counsel. You got to get all your stuff out there. Um, So that's a little, I mean, who wants to do that, right? That's a little frightening. Um, So we all did this and um, our very wise professor who has written many books, Dr. Doug Rosenau, um, said to us, he said, your class is the same as every other class I have and that everybody in here has baggage, every one of you. Um, And so this is one of the things I recognize. That was such a great first word I heard on this topic because, um, because I recognize we all come from different places, but just because we live in this world, we got stuff. 
Um, and your stuff might be different than my stuff, but we might have wrong messages. We might have, it can be anything. Um, and so, so one thing I want to be clear about, um, at the very beginning too, is one, I want to be sensitive to the stuff. Um, I want to speak truth, but I want you to hear grace too. Um, and the other thing I want to be very clear about at the beginning, um, something else that I, I learned early, is the difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is very pointed. It's very specific. It has something that you could go to in the Bible and be like, oh, that is my sin. And I know exactly how I violated God's um, standard in this. And it has an action point. Condemnation is a sense of blah, like I'm a terrible, uh-huh. I was told I might have to do this. Hold on just a second. Um, uh, is a terrible sense of um, I'm a bad person. It attacks my character um, with no action point. Just leaves me feeling kind of hopeless, depressed, self-loathing. Um, Condemnation is from Satan, and conviction is of God. So I want that to be very clear at the beginning, too, because I don't want anyone to have a sense of condemnation, but I want us to have, if there is something that God wants to convict us of, that we would be open to that, because there's, as you'll hear in my story, there is so much freedom. Um, so, um, kind of a river. Mm-hmm. Um, sex is good. That's how God designed it. Um, that is his intention. Um, this is a picture of a beautiful river. I want us to think as God's intention for sex is a beautiful river. In its boundaries, rivers, everything that is by a healthy river flourishes. Um, it is refreshing. It brings life. I mean, it's water. We can't have life without water. Um, I want us to think of this as a river, this beautiful, beautiful river. Um, and when it is within the bounds of how God created it, um, this is what it looks like. Marriage is intended to be a living testimony of Jesus's inseparable union with believers. I mean, this talked about throughout scripture, especially in Ephesians, but marriage is supposed to be a picture and sex is a part of that. Um, so this is, this is God's intention for this. But what happens sometimes is that when the water that's in a river goes outside of the river, then we have a flood. And a flood is different um, because a flood is destruction. It was inside a river at one point in time, but now it has creeped outside of the boundaries of where it was supposed to be. And now um, there is death and pain and fear and destruction and panic and um when it's outside of god's boundaries and we see that all the time in our culture we see it in our own lives um but i'm wanting to paint a picture today of what god intends because what he intends is amazing and beautiful and wonderful so um so my story um is really a story of um, sin's enticement, sin's entanglement, God's salvation, freedom through his word, and God's merciful redemption. Um, 
I'm going to really start my story um, really at college is where I'll start it. But as a way of background, um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, God has mercifully saved all of my family, and um, they go to church with me now. But it's not how I grew up. Um, which just as an aside, appearances can be deceiving. A lot of times people don't know that because I sit with my whole family at church, my parents, all the grandkids, my brother and his family, and we all just take up this pew of redemption is what I like to call it. Um, So you would think that maybe and see that and think, oh, what a perfect Christian family. Um, But appearances are deceptive. So, um, so that's, I I grew up in a family that, um, taught me right from wrong and there was certainly, um, some religious component there, but it was not a believing family. Um, but I had a sense of right and wrong and I don't really know why I decided this growing up the way I did, but I really decided that sex was for a marriage. I did. And I, um, decided that in high school and I just had that conviction and I went to college with that conviction. Um, but I got to college and, um, I had freedom. Um, I had attention. I had, um, I I had everything that I wanted. I thought, um, so at the very beginning of college, um, I met my, my, what was going to be my college boyfriend from the very beginning. Um, he pursued me, he was interested in me. Um, but honestly, um, so were a lot of other boys at that time because I was very flirtatious. Um, I was just the life of the party. I was at all the parties. I was, um, drinking to the point of drunk on a regular basis, um, I was fun. And here's something that I think we miss. Um, Sin is fun for a period. Um, And so we are sometimes caught up in that. I don't, I mean, that sounds like a stupid thing to say, but um, I think that that's sometimes how you get so swept up in it without really thinking about the consequences. Um. So that's a, that, that is a truth. That's how he gets us. <laughs> if it wasn't attractive, we wouldn't go for it. Um, so um, I was, uh, here, here's another truth. God um, designed women to be captivating. We want to captivate the heart of one man. We really do. It's in, it's in us. We long for that. But our most typical um, sexual sin is instead of captivating the heart of one, we want to captivate the heart of many. And so either through the way that we dress or the way that we act, um, we want attention. And, um, and I did. I wanted attention and I was getting attention and I loved it. I loved it. And um, I was kind of living off of that. But I had this one boy that um, just really kept pursuing me. Even though I was dating all these other boys, he just kept pursuing me. And so finally, I felt so desired by him that this was going to be my boyfriend. Um, And he was funny, and he was charming. Um, 
And it was all based on um, drunkenness and parties and, and, and everything that is wrong. But again, sin is fun. So um, for a time. So another truth is, is that you will reap what you sow. So I was putting myself, I still went into college thinking that um, I was going to keep these boundaries and um, I was not going to have sex until I got married. Um, but the thing is, is when you start to erode boundaries in other places, um, eventually all your boundaries are going to cave. So... Um, I had really kind of lost control in a lot of ways. Um, I had just, uh, and I, I didn't really know how to gain it all back. Um, so I was putting myself in compromising position after compromising position after compromising position until I finally gave in. And that one thing I said I wasn't going to do, I did. And, um, and I lost my virginity. And I will tell you, I do not think I would have done that um, if I hadn't been in so many difficult compromising positions and also if I hadn't been drinking so much, my inhibitions were just down and I didn't have the, um, I, I just, everything gets kind of loose. So, um, so here's the deal. So this is sin's enticement that I just went along with it. Sin's entanglement. See, God designed sex to be glue. That's how he designed it. So it is, <laughs> um, whether you like that or not. So now I'm entangled and where, um, so I'm emotionally invested, um, even though I don't really want to be and, um, but I'm entangled at this point. And, um, and here's another truth about, even though God de- designed us to be captivating to the one, um, God made men to kind of capture the one. Um, And how men, how we can want to capture the many, uh, men's sin can be um, that they want to have the many. And so once my boyfriend had me, he wasn't as interested anymore. Um, So began a pattern that continued for years um, with him where we would, um, he would break up with me because he really wasn't that interested in me anymore because he already had me. Um, And I would be devastated because of the emotional wreck that that was. Um, So I would start dating other people, which would make him come back, which would make me want to go back because I'm emotionally entangled. And then we just do this cycle. We did this dance for years. Um, it was abusive. It was depressing. It was, I could not get myself out of it. Um, everybody around knew it was bad. Um, I just couldn't get myself out. Um, and here were lies that I was believing all along the way. Um, Lies that even led me to even entertain the idea that I was going to have sex with this boyfriend um, were, I, I've waited long enough. Um, all my other friends are doing it. Um, I don't think he's going to stay with me unless we have sex. Um, I think I'm in love. Um, and that seems like a good reason to do it. 
And um, it's, I don't know that it's really that big of a deal. So these were lies that I was believing all along the way. Um, and that, those lies kept me in this for sure. So um, I, I heard this uh, story told one time, when I, I'll get to this in a minute, when I was at a retreat about how pretend you're going to wear one pair of jeans for the rest of your life and you love these jeans and you've decided on these jeans. So you, um, you're just not going to change. So you decide to super glue your jeans to your body. Um, so, but then you change your mind and you want to take your jeans off. Well, too bad for you at this point because your jeans are going to stick to your flesh and your flesh is going to stick to the jeans and it's going to be this mess. And this is how God designed sex. And that's really, that was such a great visual for me because at the point where I heard that story, I was like, that's true. That's how I feel. I feel like part of me is torn away and part of him is still stuck on me. And this cannot be how God intended this. Um, So there were a few other things that I believed, lies I was believing that kept me in this relationship for as long as it did. Um, One, it's just interesting how Satan, he'll just, he wants to keep us trapped in bondage, Um, which I believe is interesting in the whole sexual realm because um, I find he's really working overtime here. Do y'all find that interesting that he's working so hard on this particular area of life? Um, And I think because if we really live the way that God intends, that there might be so much power, so much freedom, so much, um, there is something that we're missing there. So lies I believed um, were things like, um, he, he, nobody's ever going to love me like this man loves me. That's a lie I believed. Um, I think he will change. That's, that's a good, everyone believes that one at some point in time. Um, and there was a part of me that thought, you know what, since I've already done this, I should probably just stay with him. I believe that lie too. So this misery went on and off for, um, the first three years of college and, um, and it was miserable. I was miserable. We would break up. I would lose 10 pounds. I would be sick in the bed. Um, it was just, it was awful. Um, we would get back together and quite honestly, I wasn't really any happier because I was stuck. I was just stuck. So, um, we were at a point where we had broken up before I started my senior year and, um, I was really desperate at this point and I was searching for God and, um, there were a series of different events. Um, I went on a campus ministry at the University of Georgia retreat, um, what was all about dating. And I thought, this is what I need. I need, I need some help. I mean, I'm just lost and I don't know, um, what to do. And I know I'm doing it wrong and I know I'm miserable and I just, I'm, I'm willing to hear whatever. And I went on this retreat truth is like, um, it's like water in the desert. When you get truth, I I had been believing lies for so long. My head was just swimming in them. 
And um, I went on this retreat, and I couldn't write fast enough. I mean, everything he said, I was just stunned. And um, I, I mean, I, I felt like he knew me, like he, he had been walking around following me. All of my places of brokenness, all of the things I needed to hear, um, it was amazing. I mean, I just note after note after note. I came to the end of that weekend and, um, and I was like, okay. I mean, I didn't have any great, I'm not a believer at this point. I don't know how to worship properly or accept Jesus or any of that. Really. I'm not going to do it right. I just, um, come to the end of that and I'm like, okay, I I want this. this. I want you. I want you, God. That was really my salvation prayer. (laughs) Um, But see, here's the action point. I knew what I needed to do. So I went home, back to the University of Georgia, and I sat down with this boyfriend that we were on again, off again. But again, it was never really off. (laughs) So it was always there. And I, I just read him all my notes. And, um, he said, I guess we can't date anymore. And I said, I think that's right. Yep. And, um, and so we broke up. Um, and, um, I would love to tell you that that is the end of the story. Yay. Tie it up with a red ribbon and it's all good. Um, but that is, um, Sin just has consequences. So you can sin, but you don't always know what those consequences are going to be. So um, I was just entangled. And even though I wanted my new life with Christ, um, I was still stuck. So I just kept calling every month or so we'd go out and I'd freak out and go back. And all the while I'm trying to create a new life. Um, I started going to this campus ministry that I had, uh, attended this retreat and here's, here's the thing. Um, I felt really different. I didn't feel like I fit in with all these people. I was like, if I open my mouth and they actually know anything about me or if they had seen me around campus for the last three years, they probably are not going to want me around. So I'm just going to be really quiet. Um, and this was a lie from Satan. Nobody ever told me, we don't really think you belong here and we don't really want you here. I just knew the depth of my sin and my shame. And I thought if anybody else knew this, they're not going to accept me. Um, so I started believing some new lies. Um, one of the, you know, and my theology is really bad at this point because I'm a new believer and I don't really know anything. Um, so somebody told me, if you have had sex with somebody, you need to marry that person because in God's eyes, you are married. So, um, so I started thinking, oh, okay, well, I guess then it's God's will for me to go back to this um, boyfriend. Um, which God mercifully saved me from that lie and corrected my thinking. But um, I'm sharing with you these lies in order that you might have um, some aha moments in ways that Satan might be lying to you about different things. Um, 
Another lie I believed, and I believed this one for a long time, um, no good Christian man is going to take you now. You're damaged. So, um, so you might have to just settle for second best. Um, God doesn't have anything good for you. And I believe that one for a long time. Um, because I just carried the shame. See, I knew, I knew that I wanted this new life with Christ, but I didn't really, um, know what to do with my shame. I didn't know what to do with it. Um, again, through a series of different events, um, I still have this on again, off again, um, relationship, although it's, um, yeah, it, so, um, I, I go to, um, this, this is kind of a long story, how I get from here to like eight months later, I'm enrolled in a Christian counseling program. That is just a miracle of God, how some woman gets saved and then goes to a Christian counseling program like immediately. There's so many details in that story, but, um, but that was God and only God. And, um, and it was amazing because God gave me this experience where I'm learning. I, I'm just I cannot get enough. I am soaking up every single bit of it. So I'm going through this program, and along around this time, um, I run into an old friend who invites me to a Bible study where my husband is. Of course, I don't know that at the moment, but um, he invites me to this Bible study, and this Bible study was an amazing group of single people. They loved God. They weren't, it wasn't really like a singles. I had been to some singles groups here in Atlanta and it kind of felt like Athens, but with no alcohol. It was like sort of the same thing. Um, it was like a singles bar, but nobody was drinking and it was in a church and it felt icky and weird. And I didn't really want that. Um, I wanted people who loved God and loved his word and were authentically seeking him. And, um, and this study had it and it was just different. It was really cool. And they had community and, um, and I felt immediately embraced. So in the, um, process of this study, we had, um, a man come in that taught us really how to study the word. And because I'm a relatively new believer at this point, I, I was reading the word, but I didn't really get like, I mean, it just kind of, I didn't understand. <laughs> I really didn't. And I didn't have tools to understand. So he really walked us through um, how to do this. And this is where there is freedom in the word. I will tell you that um, if there's anything that you are stuck in, um, This is not a bad answer. This is not a super spiritual answer. This is just truth. Um, It is the word of God is where you are going to find your freedom. Um, So, you know, I think I'm learning how to study the Bible. And he uses the sample passage, just happens to be Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, to just teach us these skills. So, I love this. Maybe it's because I was sort of like a grammar person or whatever, but I just, this whole model totally appealed to me. I could make lists of, I, I, it just made sense. I could attack it almost like a math problem. I felt like, like I could make lists of 
verbs and, and where they past, present, or future, and who was acting on what. And um, I would circle all the connecting words, and it just all made sense. And um, so I, he kind of showed us how to do this. And one of the things he said at the beginning of this is that we study the word um, not so that we really gain more knowledge. We study the word so that it will change our lives. It's supposed to change our character. It's supposed to change our lives. If it's not doing that, um, yeah. So I, um, so I really dove into this, um, not really thinking that this had anything to do with other relationships. I just was learning this new tool that I was super excited about. And, um, and in the process, one of the things I learned was I started writing down past tense words. So, what are the past tense words in Ephesians 2? You were dead. That's a past tense word. In which you formerly walked. Past tense. In which you formerly lived. In the lusts of our flesh. Indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. And then you get to verse 4. My favorite verse in all the Bible. But God, it's my connecting word. So this is who I was. But God, a contrasting connecting word. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. It's like I can't get enough love into that verse. I mean, but God, even when we were dead, past tense, in our transgressions, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. I was so overwhelmed with the fact that, um, that God had done all of this for me while I was dead. See, it is the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. And um, I, I looked at my life and I was like, I, I'm still living a little bit like I'm dead. But I'm not dead anymore. I'm alive. And um, I just got down on my face um, in my dining room and I just cried out to God overwhelmed by his love for me overwhelmed that he would take me out of this pit and do this work in me and um and i i was overwhelmed with my sin that i just kept hanging on to so at that point i um i wrote a uh, i wrote a um, a letter to this boy that I had been having this relationship with, this old boyfriend. And I was like, we're done. We're really done. We're done, done. Um, like, I don't want you to call me. I don't want you. This is before cell phones, all that. There's no texting, but don't call me. Don't come see me. Don't like, this isn't, I know we've done this 50 other times. This is different. We're done. And, um, and see, here's the thing. Um, you know, I, I've heard this quote before that um, those great men of God who have learned, who have done these amazing exploits for God, 
have just learned the secret of obedience. And um, if you obey what God shows you, God will do things that you don't even, you can't even imagine. So, um, so fast forward four months later, I'm engaged to my husband. Um, and that, that's a miracle because I am really indecisive, very slow moving. I really like to think about things and God just did this thing. And, um, because God wanted to clear the way of all the yuck. So it was not going to taint this thing that God wanted to bring. Um, but I was unwilling for so long. Um, so God's merciful redemption. Um, no matter what your, your baggage, no matter what you bring, because I brought consequences of my sin into my marriage, but that did not leave me without hope. Um, yeah, I have permission from my husband to say this. We have a great sex life. <laughs> um, it is fun. It is exciting. Um, God redeemed. Um, and so the brokenness of all of that yuck in the past, God gave me more grace than I deserved and was able to just do a new thing. Is it perfect? No. Are there consequences? Yes. But God is able to do a new thing. Um, one of the things I want to, um, talk with us about is this kind of um, anatomy of deception that um, I bought into all along. And this is how God, or this is how Satan deceives all of us. Um, And I want us to think through this together. Genesis 3. um, So how, how was I deceived in all of this? How was I deceived? I was deceived in two ways. Um, One, I didn't really know the word. I didn't, um, I didn't believe the word. I started doubting these convictions. And this is how Satan comes at us, no matter where we are, whatever it is. Um, Indeed, has God really said. And this is definitely something that God, Satan comes at in this area of sex. Um, Indeed, did God really say that? Um, Whether we are married or whether we are single, um, we can really doubt some things about sex. Um, Is it really good? I mean, is this really... um, is this really a good gift? Does it really have to be for marriage? Is there any other way? Um, and so what does Eve do here? Eve in, uh, in the Genesis three account, she mishandles the word of God. Um, she doesn't really accurately quote it back to Satan. Um, and we will do that sometimes too. We kind of dance around the issue. We don't really, we don't handle it properly. Um, and then of course the other thing that he did is he mixes a truth with a lie. And this is something that comes all the time. Um, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, true, that's true. And that it was a delight to the eyes, also true. Um, and that it was desirable to make one wise, also true. It was going to give her knowledge. 
she took from it and ate it and gave it to her husband and he ate also. So what's the problem? All those things were true. Well, the truth is is that God told her not to do it. That's the truth. Um, so, so she, so Satan always does truth, truth, lie, and that's how he deceives. And, um, there were things in this that I believed I wanted the attention. Um, I wanted that closeness because here sex is good. Sex does feel good. It does bond me. Um, this stuff is all true, but that is all the way that I was pursuing. It was sex outside the riverbank. Um, so what does God's word say about sex? What is the truth about sex? Um, the Bible has much to say about it, believe it or not. Um, there is a whole book in the Bible that is devoted to sex. Um, I encourage you, uh, this is something I have my class do. Um, one of the activities I ask the women to do the week that we talk about sex is I ask them to read Song of Solomon every day for a week. I will tell you what. Um, it's steamy stuff. You're like, is this really in the Bible for real? Um, it is steamy stuff. And, um, and all the senses are used and the vocabulary that is used. It's amazing. God's plan is good. He wants it to be um, it's one point in time in, uh, well, in Song of Solomon, but also in Proverbs 5, he, he talks about a man being exhilarated with his wife. That means like kind of drunk in love is what that word means. Um, like falling over yourself kind of thing. Um, this is God's plan for it. So when we look at scripture and what... the there, there are many intended purposes, but there are just five that I'm going to really focus on. Things that, he, why he created sex, why it has to stay within these bounds of marriage. Uh, one is that he he gave it for life. Um, the very first commandment that God says, the very first thing that God says to people, is to be fruitful and multiply. So how do you do that? You have sex. That's the first thing that God tells people. That's the very first thing that God tells people is to have sex, to be fruitful and multiply. Do you know that? That's the very first thing that he says. I mean, I think that's important. Um, And he creates life. We get to participate in this with him. There's no other way. I mean, this is how God, it's just amazing how God made a man's body and a woman's body to come together and to create life that we get to participate with him as a life giver um, and that we bear his image in that way. It's amazing. The other thing um, is this idea of intimate oneness. This is how God, um, I'm going to read this from Genesis. Um, This is really a key, key, key verse. Um, Genesis is such an important book because it just lays out things from the get-go. as God designed it, ordered it. So Genesis two twenty four says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother. Adam and Eve don't have parents. So he's thinking ahead. This is the plan. He's not specifically talking to Adam and Eve here. He's talking about the big plan here. Um, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. That word joined is that glue word. It means adhere, to stick to. Um, it's supposed to be stuck. 
um, and they shall become one flesh. The idea of one flesh, I'm one with my husband. This is why it's so damaging if you do it outside of marriage and so amazing to do it inside of marriage. Um, Because God wants this oneness, not only to be oneness of body, but the oneness of body then creates the oneness of um, soul and, and friendship and experience and commonality and that you share this life together. Um, this oneness is supposed to be emotional, spiritual, everything. Um, so the other interesting, um, the other purpose that God has for this, the word in the Hebrew language for sexual intercourse is yada, um, which means to know, um, in Genesis 4, 1, there's many examples of it in scripture, but um, it says, now the man had relations with his wife, Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. Um, that word, y- yada, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it right because it's Hebrew, but um, is to know. Um, that word, it, I mean, you think about that, to know. It means to perceive, to find out, to discern, to know by experience, to consider, to be skillful at. Um, this is what sex is designed for, this special knowing. This is why we want to have sex, is because we want that special knowing with that one person. Um, and that's how God designed it. Interesting, not every sexual experience in the Bible uses that word. Um, in Genesis 38.2, um, it's talking about Judah and his um, escapades. And um, it says, Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, whatever. Um, and he took her and went into her. That's a different word there. Um, that word mean, is bow, B-O-W, which means to go into, to enter. That's not the word to know. Um, there can be sex without that knowing. Um, there can be, and and you, if you read the rest of Genesis 38, that does not go down very well. So um, that's not how God intended it. Um, and then as I was referencing, I mean, one of God's main reason is, is pleasure. Pleasure is one. We don't talk about this in the the church. Um, Pleasure is a main part of sex. It's okay to talk about. God made it that way. Um, Like I said, he has a whole book in the Bible um, on this. In um, Proverbs, um, I was referencing earlier. Drink water from your own cistern. Interesting, this whole river water analogy. Listen to this. Drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad? Streams of water in the streets? No, they should not. They need to stay within the bounds. Um, Let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. Um, 
this is this is supposed to be a all i mean it's supposed to be a pleasurable enjoyable um thing that we shy away from for some reason in church and that is not as god intends it at all um and another reason that god has given sex um is a defense against temptation um because our flesh god created us to want this and within the bounds of marriage um if we are having sex it it keeps us from temptation um this is First uh, Corinthians 7, uh, 1, well, I'm going to do 3 through 5. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Um, when I talk to my friends who are not having sex with their husbands, this is not the reason that they give me. Um, they don't say that we are devoting ourselves to prayer. Um, <laughs> that's not it. Um, it is usually, um, honestly, selfish. Not always. Sometimes there's hurt, sometimes there's pain, sometimes there's other stuff going on. But oftentimes it's selfishness. Um, it is um, an earning, maybe. I, no, no one's ever said to me, my husband has to earn his way to have sex. But it's communicated in a way that... Um, is uh, if he behaves properly and treats me right, then okay, fine, we'll have sex. Oh, God intends so much more than that. He says, really, here, the only reason that you should not be doing it is that you have won, except by agreement, so that you are both on the same page with this, and two, that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Um, now, of course, there can be other things. There can be physical limitations and there can be other things going on but um but I really challenge women married women to search their hearts and see if they are reluctant um if it's really for selfish reasons um I will say in this area of sex because we are as a church pretty uneducated um I really, um, I, this is one area I think is good. It's, you need to do some good reading. There's some great stuff out there. And I will be honest because I, we're just wired differently. I'm not wired visually. I'm a girl. I mean, some girls are, but I, I'm not so much. Um, but words, words are different. Words speak to me. My husband's words speak to me. Other people's words, I will tell you. Reading about how God intends sex to be lived out in a married woman's life changes how I think about things. Um, this book is great. I'm a little stuck. Hold on. Um, the Passion Principle. Maybe I'm stuck on my chair. No, I'm sitting on it. Um, the Passion Principles. Great. She does not hold back. She's not shy. Um, Awesome. This is good. Another good one. Um, Intimate Issues. I love this book. This book is great. Um, this 
this is because this is such an area of brokenness and we can have so many different hiccups here. So many questions are addressed and, and things that you might be, um, not comfortable to ask someone else. Um, she, she, or it's actually two women, they address it. Um, but just, just the freedom of language in it, um, is all I think that God intends. This is a great book too. Um, sheet music. Um, he is funny. He is fun. Um, and I, I love what he has to say in that book. And I've got a few others up here. One that I really, I, um, the way to love your wife, this they had for sale at the gift of sexuality conference that they had here. This is really great. Um, because here's the thing about sex is, um, Sex, um, good sex is hard to have. And you see it in the movies and it's like all, you know, just everybody falls into bed and it's just great and everything's awesome. And that's not real life. (laughs) Um, And God designed it that way so that over time, over years, over the course of your life, this would get better and better and better because you're connected to one person. Um, this, this is a quote from the sheet music book. Um, he says, one of the reasons God reserves sex for marriage is that good sex is not easy and it's very personal and that's what it's designed to be. Um, and one of the most loving and holy things you can do in your marriage is to provide a sex sexually fulfilling pursuit of your husband. Your husband feels so loved by you pursuing him. Um, I have a little just um, thing here, just wisdom regarding sex. And um, one of the things is to keep in mind is that anything denied physically to your spouse becomes an absolute denial because there's no other legitimate outlet. Um, which is something I think a lot of wives don't take into consideration. Um, So I've kind of covered the gamut here of my own story and how God is redeemed and restored and God's plan. Um, But I will say, I do know that there is, um, like I said, there's, there's just can be some places where we get super stuck. And um, we have some ministries here at the church, um, specifically cross current and living waters that deal with some of these issues. Um, I, I have never been through living waters, but I have had a dear friend go through it. Life changing. Um, she came out a beautiful butterfly on the other side. Um, and, um, and the, the work that God did in her heart was just amazing. I, I just spoke with her on the phone today and, um, I marvel every time I talk to her at the things that God has done in her. And a lot of it came through these ministries. 